You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. going on guys welcome to another episode of peer pleasure with dewey halpus i am dewey your host with the most bringing you more great content week after week this week we have the incredible cat moss from scowl now this band has been blowing up lately and it has been absolutely incredible to watch their rise and just the cool uh I guess cool is kind of a cheesy word to use, but the vibe of this band is is incredible. Like there's just a factor to them uh, in what they're doing that's super, super rad. And so I've been intrigued by this band for a long time now. And I reached out to Kat, reached out to her publicist on the same day, and <laughs> they both responded. So we we did like a double uh, a double booking kind of deal. And this ended up happening in a really strange time here in Portland, we had a huge ice storm and my job site flooded. Um, and then I get to the studio and I walk into the studio and they're cleaning up water all over the place and the studio flooded. So the video of this episode is terrible because uh, I had to move into a separate studio, uh, that had really bad lighting. I didn't have my camera or anything like that. So my video at least is horrible. It's the, the, iMac, whatever the whatever the fucking laptop's called, uh, that camera is absolutely terrible with no lighting. So I apologize for that if you're watching on YouTube, um, but, but that's the deal. The studio flooded. I had no access, and it was uh, a crazy situation. So I'm glad we were able to get it done. Didn't have to cancel anything, and and um, I, we had a really good chat. Uh, we went to some deep spots, some spots she doesn't really talk about much. Um, and that's how this show works. I don't know why, but it just seems to go there more often than not. And I'm really grateful to her for being uh, so open and honest because I know a lot of people out there listening um, really take what people say to heart and people they look up to and people they admire. Um, those words coming from them are, are super important. So thanks to Kat for being so open and honest. 
let's get some business out of the way and we will jump into this episode. So peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me with guest ideas or questions or comments. Uh, we also have the Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle Facebook group as well as the premium service, peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm, gets you access to the videos of the old episodes, the past cast, as well as the ad-free feed. So if you don't like hearing all the ads, definitely go over there and support the show that way, and you will get the ad-free feed, which is just what it is, no ads. All right, guys, I want to jump into this one. This one was really fascinating chat, and uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So let's hop into this conversation with Cat Moss from Scowl. Hi, Kat. Hi. How are Thanks you? Thanks for being patient with me. Of I'm course. good. No patience required. One second. <laughs> Sorry. I was just like setting up. It's oh, all, my goodness. It's all good. Cool. Um, it's not letting me. Let me try this. Sorry. No sweat. There we go. Okay. Anyways, sorry. I'm just setting myself up. That's okay. <laughs> okay. There we go. Awesome. Hey, uh, so terribly sorry about my video quality looks like an amateur. I, I, I assure you I'm not. Uh, I walked into the studio this afternoon and it's flooded. So no, but none of my stuff was damaged, but I had to move into a different studio. And so I'm in like a radio yeah. station right now with very low lighting. Totally. And this laptop is the worst. It's a it's a MacBook Pro in 2022. <laughs> and it looks like a webcam from okay. 2001. Oh, it's dude, it's so okay. I'm, I'm like on my iPad. And it's like, I I'm like trying to set this up because I've only ever done Zoom on like a MacBook mm -hmm. and my phone. And I'm like, I have to set my little like like bar where I can like see myself next to the camera. So I know I'm like looking at the camera, but I can't <laughs> figure out how to move it. And I'm just like, what the 
know, but it's fine. Nice. Uh, where are you? Are you in California? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I wasn't sure if we were, if we were on the same time zone, but, um, definitely makes things easier. Yes, absolutely. How are things going? How was, how was Christmas? It was great. It was, it was relaxed. I, I had a nice time. It was chill. I didn't, I have been quite busy. And so that's why it's been hard to like nail down this. Uh, but I just, I like was with my family. Um, and it was really nice. It was a good time. Excellent. You've had a busy year. Uh, yeah. To say the least a busy year. Um, so much touring and so, I mean, scowl has been everywhere. Like it just, it feels like it came out yeah. of nowhere and just took over everything. It's insane. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been crazy. How has that ride for you been? Because it's, it's, I haven't toured since 2007 and it was a whole different world at that point leading up to then. But now what is it like going through that explosion? It, I, and let me preface this, like right now there's camera phones everywhere. Every, every set is recorded probably somewhere. Like everything you're doing, that whole like rise as we'll call it is on film yeah. or, or TikTok yeah. or, you know, I'm 40 years old. So <laughs> I, I'm still figuring out that stuff, but like we never had that kind of thing back then. So I'm curious yeah. what it's like for you guys going through this now. Yeah, it's, it's been overwhelming. Like, uh, like to say the least, it's been like kind of this like overwhelming experience, but it's very, very positive. Um, it's all, it's like really positive, overwhelming, if that makes sense. So there's times where I'm just like, wow, like when do I get to kind of like clock out, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it feels like I don't really get that opportunity very often, but at the same time, it's like, I love doing it so much that I'm not complaining by any means. Um, it's really cool. It's very lucky. Like, I mean, we've worked really hard, but I also feel like pretty lucky in, in a lot of ways, like mm -hmm. just being able to do this. And like, I love doing this. I love playing music. I love touring. And it's really cool that it like connects with a lot of like young people or all people like all ages, but it's really cool to like connect, you know, with people with the music and have it reach like really far. Um, and I see myself a lot in it because there was a point when I was younger and I was on YouTube or Instagram or whatever it may be like now it's TikTok, you know, and I was discovering bands that made me feel so like seen and valid and, and it, it like really ignited something in me. So it's cool to like, kind of be somewhat on the other side of that, where it's like now, you know, I saw a TikTok the other day of some girl, like a young girl who got tickets to see us for Christmas and she was so excited. And that was like really special. Cause I was like, wow, like I was like, that was me at one, at one point. So um, it was really cool. That's incredible. Do you, do you remember some of those bands that, that did that for you back then? Like, Oh yeah. Where did that Definitely. start? Like what shout some yeah. of these bands out? I'm curious. Cause, <laughs> um, I mean, it's going to be kind of silly, but even like, like I got one direction tickets once and like, nice, like for like, a gift and it was so cool like e even like big pop bands you know and then like on a smaller level it was like 
my chemical romance mm-hmm. and like I remember my first band t-shirt I ever got was on my birthday, my 13th birthday. And it was from Hot Topic. My mom got it. And it was a Black Bill Brides t-shirt, like, <laughs> uh, which is like, you know, I've like, I have so much appreciation for those moments. Like I have that picture of me in that t-shirt for my 13th birthday. And I still have that shirt, like in a keepsake box, you know? Um, and then it grew from like that to getting like, when my chemical romance is like danger days came out mm-hmm. on CD, you know, like I was 13 and I got that for Christmas. And then as I got older, it was just like things like that. Like I remember getting uh fresh fruit for rotting vegetables mm-hmm. on vinyl for Christmas one year. Cause like, I like asked for it specifically. And my mom's like, I don't know what this is, but like, I got it for you. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, so it, it kind of like, started with stuff like that. And like, that was the stuff I was confident enough to tell my mom about a lot of it was like my little secret. Like I liked a lot of bands that growing up, I thought we were like, I wasn't allowed to tell my parents about, you know, (laughs) but now it's, it's grown into this thing where like my mom and I talk about music a lot. And even my dad who listens to like country radio, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's really cool. That's awesome. Like the, 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 I think it's everyone's rite of passage, finding those bands that they want uh, and not telling their parents about. Like my dad, I got Dr. Dre's The Chronic, I don't remember, three or four times, and my dad broke it every time because he found (gasps) it and had like the the pot leaf on it. He's like, this will not be in my house. He's like, like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But I mean, I totally get it. Like my mom, I think she didn't get it. She wasn't angry, though. She never like didn't allow me to like have like be into this type of music or, or whatever it may be. Like, she always was like, okay, you do your thing. But like, I don't get it mm-hmm. for a long time. She felt that way. And like, my sister was like kind of the same. And then they started to understand, like, and we all kind of started to bond over it and it was really cool. Mm-hmm. But, um, definitely rite of passage, having those like secret bands, having that, like, you don't get it, mom. Like, <laughs> like that whole vibe, you know, <laughs> it's like that, uh, that classic cliche, the dad, you don't understand. I love him. Like the, the yeah. they hate the boyfriend. They hate the records they yeah. hate ev- or the boyfriend in the band. The, the, yeah, it, totally. That whole classic thing. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Dr. Dre is the cronk. I don't know how many copies of that I got and to like yeah. keep getting beastie boys. They'd read the lyrics, oh. uh, I yeah. grew up in a Mormon household, so it was they would read the lyrics and be oh. like, uh, nope, not happening. Absolutely not. That yeah. must have been it was interesting. That was challenging. Like <laughs> it was interesting to then to then yeah. start bands and touring and they're like, uh, where are you today? Yeah. Oh, I'm in, in this coast. I'm in this coast. I'm in yeah. this country. Like it was a whole They're like, whole other what thing. are you doing? <laughs> yeah. That was such a random, uh random like my chemical romance, one direction, and then dead Kennedys. I love everything. That's wonderful. I'm so into everything. <laughs> That's wonderful. I do want yeah. to talk about like and so you and I <laughs> you and I went through a similar situation. Yeah. You were on video, I was not uh hanging out with Keith Morris, doing an interview with Keith Morris. Uh Yeah. I watched that and I had flashbacks oh. cuz the first time he came yeah. on the show, it was exactly <laughs> yeah. like that. I said two words. Yeah. <laughs> And, but you, you handled it in such a professional way. Yeah. Like you just get, he just goes and that's yeah. just who Keith is. Oh, he's like, I've said this before. 
and he he's just such a character yeah and he has so much like it's like a treasure box like i'm just like i want to know what he has Mm -hmm. to say i want to know how his mind works like he's a pistol like he just goes Mm -hmm. and i really got a kick out of it i was in that moment like when i did that like interview with him i was freaking out internally because i was like this is like a hero of mine like Mm -hmm. this is someone who's like basically like a godfather of everything i do and this is a big deal but also like i've never interviewed anyone like i don't know how to do this and and just feeling like really overwhelmed and like trying really hard to just like not crack and just be like okay i can do this and i had a really good time and keith was really cool and i'm like excited to spend some more time with him around him he's just he's so talented and he has such a like cool mind yeah um and he just doesn't have time for for bs like he he's just he's got nothing to hide you know yeah absolutely he's one of the he's one of the most unique people i've ever known yeah and he's been on twice and the second time we had like a real like conversation back and forth yeah. but that first time he just went like all right dude let's see what we're going to talk about here uh, yeah when i'm president and just an hour and a half later it was just like all right keith We'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, what just happened to my life? The songs Literally. he does are so short, but the conversations are so long. I love it. The, yeah. the whole back and forth. He's got a forth. lot of cool stuff. Cool Absolutely. stories. Absolutely. When, so Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables is an incredible record. Yeah. Uh, was that your your foray into into punk rock or was... was Definitely punk? one of them. One okay. of the first like albums I really was like oh, this is punk. Like, give me more. Um, I, I'm a huge Dead Kennedys fan. Mm-hmm. And like Dead Kennedys, I feel like was one of the first bands that I like, like first like 80s punk bands that I like really attached myself to. Um, I mean, I feel like <laughs> it's so like entry level, but I, I don't care, you know, like I, it's it's great music. Like, you know, you have the Ramones, Misfits, and in my book, it's like Dead Kennedys and like Sex Pistols, you know, and mm-hmm. like those are like the bands, you know, those really were like some of the first punk bands. I was like, like, no way, this is punk. Mm-hmm. This is so cool. So, man, the, that that whole scene was incredible. Yeah. I've talked about this before, but like the aesthetic of that scene was almost yeah. cooler than the music. Like the the vibe, <laughs> yeah. like the the artwork and the like the stories yeah. and stuff, like almost the lore yeah. of that scene was was it's holding on longer than the music. Like the and it's weird Absolutely. to say that, like because the music was great, but sometimes like oh, yeah. the shirts and like the whole people like me that weren't even <laughs> wow. in that scene. I'm 40 years old and I wasn't in that scene, yeah. but I feel like I lived through that. Just I because mean, yeah, of the I stuff. mean the fact that you can go like to downtown Los Angeles and like buy a bootleg, you know, misfits t-shirt. And like, as when I was growing up, I didn't know what the misfits were, but I knew that logo. Mm -hmm. I knew the crimson skull, you know, or Mm -hmm. the crimson ghost. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, that's cool. But I didn't know the band. And so like in that way, a lot of this stuff has lived on, like a lot of punk culture has lived on in a lot of ways. But the cool thing now is I feel like there's a lot of young people who are starting to figure out what it actually means. And it's not just like a cool t-shirt. Like mm. if someone just like wears it as, and thinks it's a cool t- t-shirt, 
that's great. Cause it's like, that's a billboard on someone's chest, you know? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, it is really cool. I feel like a lot of young people nowadays, like actually know what that is. And like, I didn't for the longest time. So I think there's like a lot of underlying appreciation for it and like, you know, street fashion and and like, you know, like youth culture, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. How does that play into what you guys do now? Like, is there, is there parts of that that play into what you do now? I would, I would say in certain ways, like, I guess one unfortunate thing about like, you know, that you don't expect when you start being a very busy band and like seeing some very mild successes, you have to start thinking like, like running your band a little bit more like a business. And that's like a part that I'm still kind of tussling with. But when it comes to, you know, like marketing, I love fashion. Right. And, and some of a large part of fashion is marketing, not to lose the essence of the art, of course, but I do pay attention now to the fact that like, you know, you print a certain type of t-shirt, it's going to do well and people are going to wear it. Like, and maybe even sometimes people are going to wear it and not listen to your band, like things like that will inevitably happen. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that affects us in like a way because we're a very visual band. And that's just because I love visual things. Like clearly the band is like all flowers and bright colors and Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've like made merch designs that are like cute animals and things like that. And that, that wouldn't necessarily be common in a hardcore space of, you know, like in an array of hardcore t-shirts from like eighties, nineties, early two thousands, you know, Mm -hmm. you set a scowl shirt down next to it. It's not, it's going to stand out a little, but I like it that way. And, um, that's kind of the point. And, and so like, you know, looking at youth culture today and like street fashion and things like that is really important to me because that really does have a take place. Like that has a part or a job in and of itself, like with the way that scowl functions and like, and I mean that in the most like artistically driven way, you know what I mean? Like, I just love fashion and I love creating and I love like visuals. So being able to like have that aspect is really fun. Um, if nobody buys our t-shirts, that doesn't matter to me, mm-hmm. you know, like as long as I'm, I'm making stuff that I like. Yeah. There's always that thing in hardcore. Uh, yeah. Riley from thrice was talking about this with, he's does yeah. that classic grit. He's like black t-shirt, white font, white picture, whatever, like does black well. and white does well <laughs> yeah. every time it could say anything like just the band name, yeah. whatever. You always have to have that in your merch arsenal yeah. and then you can do it every yeah. round. And that's like how you buy yourself food on tour, you know, mm-hmm. like that's how you eat. Cause otherwise like it's oatmeal forever. <laughs> yeah. Like it really is. It can be a hard life to live on tour. <laughs> we had $3 a day for the first year yep. of touring $3 a day. And we had to make yep. like McDonald's and Taco Bell, like creations out of yep. uh, nothing. It was yeah. terrible. We've gotten really good at like stealing things from like the hotel. Like if we stay at a hotel, for example, we'll load up for days on end on like oatmeal mix and then get hot water from like, mm-hmm. uh, like a gas station and make oatmeal and like a coffee cup and eat that in the van. That's incredible. I'll give you a That's tip here. You might one. already know. Uh, but we used to do the, the, um, unplugging vending machines at truck stops and plugging in a rice cooker and cooking up rice. That's so smart. 
There you That's go. That's so smart. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, you just pop. I really want to get and like, it's good to go. Yeah, I really want to get like one of those like easy stoves, like a camper stove almost, but like an electrical one mm-hmm. that I can just like crack an egg in the morning at like a hotel. Or like in somebody's house. I mean, I guess then I could use their oven. But like in a situation <laughs> where I'm like stuck somewhere and I'm like, I just want to eat an egg. Like that would be so convenient. That with like some rice. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> you get the jet boil. Get the jet boil sponsorship mm-hmm. going. That yeah. Those things are badass. You just oh, yeah. fire them up anywhere. You can cook ramen. You can cook eggs. You cook oh. whatever you want. Yeah. I love ramen. Definitely cup of noodles. Any vegetarian cup of noodles on tour. Like I mm-hmm. stock up. Mm-hmm. at like a grocery store and i'm good for a couple days it's nice nice that see that's the thing getting nutrition on tours is rough even nowadays like oh yeah everything costs so much more than it did back then but like yeah. it's just a whole a whole other world and in anytime you're not getting like a buyout or because you've done some big tours oh, yeah. with scowl lately yeah did you yeah when you were touring i'm sure you've talked about this limp biscuit tour endlessly i'm, I'm positive <laughs> yeah. you have uh it's so cool though I, i've not heard you talk about it because i but we can go wherever we want with this, but mm-hmm. on a tour like that, of course, there's catering and everything else. Yes. Were you oh guys able to participate in that or was it just for, oh, yeah. okay, oh, so yeah. you got taken care of? Oh, yeah. And I miss that tour so much sometimes because <laughs> it was like the best I've ever eaten on a tour. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, I guess I'll go back for a second. Well, we're going to get third. Like, it was like so nice to eat like that. There was so many vegan options. There mm-hmm. was like, it was so cush. It was so cush. And like, I, we had never had that before. And it was just like, wow, this is crazy. And like that tour was so much fun because it was just like, everyone was so nice and so cool. Like nobody was rock stars. Like, Oh, like nobody was, um, too cool to hang out. Like everybody like really got along and and it was like genuinely like it, it was the funnest it, for that reason. It was really comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like the last bout of touring we did, like I lost weight. Cause I was like, well, guess I'm going to skip a meal. Like there's not food right now. You know what I mean? Like, so I definitely miss it sometimes, but at the same time, I, I never expected to be in a position where like, when I started playing in a hardcore punk band that I would ever have catering or green room. So and I made sure just to like enjoy it while I had it, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and of course now I'm like, my dreams have gotten bigger and I'm like, maybe one day we'll get like catering, like, you know, like maybe, maybe that could be a, a cool little like cherry on top if we ever get to that point. But it mm-hmm. was, it was a really good experience to like kind of get spoiled like that on the road. Yeah. Did you guys do any guest spots on that tour with Limp Biscuit? Yeah. What song yeah, did you do? Um, I'm curious. I didn't do any. Oh, you didn't do any. I, Malachi, who plays guitar in Scal, he did uh, Killing in the Name of okay. a couple nights mm-hmm. with uh, Limp Biscuit, which was really cool. And like, I wanted to do it. I'm just kind of shy about this stuff. So like, I'm not confident about like, like as it's kind of ridiculous because I get on stage and I sing in a microphone and I... Mm-hmm you know, front this band, but I am so anxious about guest spots. Anytime someone asks me to do one, I'm just like, so in my head about it. Like I, uh, like, I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> I would have loved to see that. That would have been incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
tell me this then. So, so I mean, punk in general comes from yeah. a place of um, like anxiety and not feeling like you belong anywhere and yeah. anger and frustration and sadness and, and some happiness. <laughs> but going from, you know, the van tours and of course still van tour, but I'm curious on this. Going from, like you're saying, making ramen mm -hmm. where you can, eating, you know, yeah. struggling to then having like a nice catered meal in an arena. Like, yeah. how did it feel doing those songs when you were in the comfort zone versus being in the feast or famine zone? What Did it feel it, different to you, like screaming yeah. these songs when you oh, just yeah. had like a wonderful meal and probably get a shower afterwards? Like, did it change <laughs> yeah. anything? Um, honestly, like on stage, the only difference I felt was like, you know, when you're playing a big arena, you are on this huge stage, you get to run around, like you have all this space to play, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. I do, I really enjoyed that because I was so used to like tiny stages and, uh, you know, you have this, like in an arena, like you hear so much on stage, like the sound is so big and it's so cool because you're like, wow, this is like, like real time musician stuff. Like, like I'm a, I'm a professional right now, you know? And then you go back to playing that DIY space and kind of have the shitty PAs and whatever. And like, you don't even have monitors and you're just like, ah, this is how it is. And like, I was like bumping into like Bailey who plays bass and Malachi on guitar, like on stage again. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is so silly, but I do love that. There's nothing that matches that like floor set, no barricade. Everyone's just in your face, falling on top of you, pushing you into the drum kit. Like people, like you don't know if like you could possibly get your nose broken while singing, you know, like it's, it's just a really special energy. And like, mm -hmm. there's that fear of like, not being able to do that anymore. Sometimes like if, if, like we continue to grow, which knock on wood, like I, I want to continue to grow, of course, but there's that, that like fear of like, what, will there be a time when I don't, I no longer get to like do that crazy stuff. Like mm -hmm. just cause it doesn't work out, you, you know, just cause like logistically it doesn't make sense, but I don't need to think that far. I'm just trying to like live in the moment, mm -hmm. but there's definitely like, it, it has like, it's like a double-edged sword, you know? So What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on their 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equal Vision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. Now you're void and testing, have been forming Until it best, until it doesn't score 
What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. 
Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So, so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. I like it can I, be challenging. I like watching, you know, like, um, like I said, there's so much footage of everything now, so you can just pull yeah. it up whenever you want. Yeah. But there's no greater feeling than leaning into a crowd of people and having them push yeah. back at you and yeah. like at, screaming the words at you, grabbing the microphone, yes. screaming in the yep. microphone. We had the um there's a um so the podcast is on Equal Vision and um Yeah. So uh Liz is is our social media manager and she went and saw you in New York and I told her <sighs> I was having you on. She's like, "Oh my god, yeah. this is going to be amazing." But just Yay. she's one of the ones that grabs the mic and like goes for it. Like she's yeah. in the pit everywhere. Like yeah. just goes to town uh, every time there's a that. show. And uh, yeah. just how how different it sounds when someone that's not mm -hmm. the singer grabs the mic and their voice is all squeaky and weird. And like yeah. you just hear I these parts it. you're waiting for. But the, the emotion yeah. is there, you know, and mm -hmm. it, the same way they may not be trained yeah. in it. And but when you hear that that expulsion of, of energy. Mm -hmm. And it's literally pushing back at you. Like you can just lean and oh, not fall over. Like I it's just they're pushing feeling. on you. Yeah. We got to play this really cool fest called Act Like You Know in Oklahoma uh, back in November. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, there was a stage, but people, it wasn't too big. Like people are stage diving. And I love that those moments when it's like people are stage diving over top of you, like dog piling mm -hmm. you, grabbing the mic. Like you don't even know where it's at, but like, those moments like really, really live with me. Um, cause it's like where I'm happiest. Like, I'm just like, right now someone's pulling my hair accidentally. I don't know where the mic is, but I'm yelling anyways. And everyone's just like, you know, it, it's so primal and it's so special. So I do. I love it so much. It's like being in a fight, like being in a fight, yeah. like a fight you didn't start, but yeah, you're going to, exactly. you're going to end it. Like you, it's like, it's literally like being in a fight. Did you get in yeah. altercations growing up like <laughs> uh well kind of i i was like pretty reserved and scared of confrontation as a kid and like a teenager with anyone like at school you know mm -hmm. or like like around me but uh at home definitely <laughs> at home like me and my sister beat the shit out of each other like mm -hmm we just went at it. I, me and my sister love each other. We were like best friends. I love her so much and she loves me so much, but we definitely, we got each other good as kids. And like, I had a hard time like getting along with everyone at home. So it would definitely get, uh, 
like somewhat explosive at times. Yeah. Where, where did that, that, uh, like that, that feeling uncomfortable in, like, where did that feeling come from in, in public people at school? Yeah. Um, I, I think I just had social anxiety for a long time. Like, I think like, to be honest, I've like learned now how to talk to strangers, like just alone in the past year alone, I've learned like a lot of skills on like talking to people I'm just meeting and like shaking hands and like, you know, kind of like to me and my brain now it's like playing a game. I'm like, I'm doing like, this is socialization simulator, you know, Mm -hmm. but in the past it was like really scary. And like, I've had to learn to like manually do it um, to now where I've learned to be really bubbly and enjoy social situations. uh, But I used to be really, really shy and insecure about it. And I I think that just was who I was for a long time. And and now I'm really grateful and lucky that like I've had the opportunity to really work on that and like really master it. Now I'm just like, I can talk to anyone now. Like (laughs) it's really cool. As a teenager, I I could not do that like at all. I was so terrified of the world. Did you did you feel like did you feel like you're missing something being that way? Like, or did you is it more like this is who I am? Like, did you feel like yeah. you wanted to be different than that? Or were you comfortable being that way in your own skin? I guess. Yeah, like, that's a great question. Um, you know, it wasn't like a I hate everyone, like I don't talk to people thing. Yeah. Like it really was a like. I'm scared right now. And I wish I could make friends and I just don't know how to do it. And like always feeling so awkward, mm-hmm. like literally like doing anything alone with like a new, a new person, like scared me so much. I was just like, I like, if, if I was in high school, you know, like 16 years old and made a new friend and they were like, Oh, you should come, come hang out. Like, let's go to the mall. I would be like, how am I going to do this? You know, like it's really scared me. And I've like really learned how to deal with it. Cause it, it wasn't like a, like a choice. Like it, it was really just, there was a point where I would get kind of, I would say like in my later teens, there was a point where I got kind of jaded by it almost. And I was like, like, I hate people, you know, and like kind of went through those like teenage moments, but yeah. that's about the time when I actually started making some lifelong friends and, and those people are still in my life. So it kind of worked out in a funny way. Yeah, it's like a defense mechanism. Like, yeah, this is how I'm gonna be, so I'm gonna make it like yeah. I'm gonna adapt to it and say, ah, oh, fuck yeah. you, you know, like and and embrace yeah. that side instead of working your way yeah. out of it. But it sounds and like you worked your started, way out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I started going to shows a lot more. I discovered like DIY stuff. I had like three friends who were all kind of also into punk and a lot of them were like in school still either in high school or going to college, you know, moving away, going and doing things. And I was like, still where I was. And I was like, well, nobody wants to go to shows with me. Like all my friends would, but they're busy. So I was like, I'll just go alone. And I didn't go expecting to make friends, but I also didn't like, I was like, I I have to go. I want to go. This is an experience I want, whether or not I make friends, it's not the point, you know, Mm -hmm. I kind of accepted at that point. Like if I'm not skilled at this, like I'm not going to expect it. And then of course, in that moment, as soon as I accepted, like I, I had no intention set, of course, 
uh, I started making a bunch of friends and it was really cool. And like a lot of them were musicians. And then, you know, over the years, Scowl was born because I met a bunch of really cool people who also happened to play music and, and like punk music. So it worked out really well. That's a it's a, a a huge win there. Like, it, I yeah. mean, of course, I mean, we're talking because of Scowl, but like, yeah, that you turned your life around that way, you know, and, and came yeah. out of it when you were ready. Like you didn't yeah. force it. Like you just found something no. that pulled you out of it. Yeah. And I, Incredible. I had a lot of stuff I was really focused on that was very, very internal at that time in my life. And I mean, I guess we all do, you know, throughout our lives, but at the time it was, it really like had a grip on me for a lot of my teenage years. And so like that kind of got in the way of making friends. And there was a, a moment where I had to decide, like, do I keep feeling sorry for myself because of this? Or do I just say, you know what? Screw it. Like I have this life. I might as well party while I'm here. You know what I mean? Like I might as well like try, like give it, give it some tries. Cause I really wasn't trying for a long time in my teen years. I was just like depressed and like, didn't really, I don't know. I just, I was, I was having a hard time. So. Yeah. You were, you said you were struggling with <laughs> internal, like things that were yeah clouding your mind, I guess, from. Yeah, totally. Like self-esteem stuff, like, or like oh, you yeah. said you had a problem getting along at home. Like, yeah, it was just like a, it was a rough time. And I really appreciate it now because I think everyone has those rough times as a teenager. Oh, like yeah. that's kind of part of being a teenager. It's just that like, it's so dramatic and it's so every feeling is so intense and Mm -hmm. so big. And there's kind of a moment I remember where I was like, I don't have to live like this anymore. Like I can just go and have fun. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have to be in my feelings. I don't have to be this way anymore. And it's not that it's a choice because it took a lot of work Mm -hmm. and a lot of like therapy and like, you know, learning tools and to, to like take care of myself, of course. Um, so by no means is it a choice, mm-hmm. you know, but it is a choice to, to get help and, and to make, to do the work, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I got, I'm really proud of myself. Cause I, I kind of dug myself out of a lot of that hole that I was in as a teenager that every teenager goes through. And, and I'm really, really happy about that. Cause I, there was a while where I was like, this is my hole. I'm in it, you know, and mm-hmm. I was kind of protective of it. How did you, how did you go about getting help? Um, it was, uh, damn. Okay. This is just really cool. Cause I, I, I like, haven't talked about this too much because we don't have you know, to, if you're not comfortable either. I, <laughs> no, this is just good. where the show I, goes. It just happens. Yeah. I don't mind talking about shit. it at all. Um, I love real shit. I, I would say it was talking to the people around me, um, you know, like actually being open. There was, there was a lot of time that I spent wasting in therapy where I I was like lying and and I was just not being truthful. And this is, again, this is like, I was a teenager. Like I'm, I don't, I'm not mad at myself for doing that. Like, and I don't regret it, but I'm glad that I changed it. Um, and I, I was just kind of, overall like nihilistic you know Mm -hmm. I was like this is just how it is and yeah I would say like there was a time when I was kind of like 
not being truthful with myself or the people around me and even the people I was like paying to help me. Um, but in the beginning, it started out with uh, my freshman year of high school. I, I started going to therapy because I experienced a, a loss in my life. I had um, my f- a friend I had made in freshman year, uh, she committed suicide. Mm. And that was, I had experienced grief and loss uh, prior to that when I was a bit younger um, with like, someone who was pretty much my, my mentor when I was, uh, like probably nine or 10 years old. And that really rocked my world. But this was the first time it was like someone my age and it, it felt very, um, like kind of like was like a very big moment of, of Holy crap, I'm alive and I, this could go away. And this is so sad, you know? And, and so I, I, you know, I, I told my mom and we got, I got therapy and it was, I'm really grateful. I'm, I'm like, that's a lot of privilege. You know, that's not something that everyone has the opportunity to do and not everyone's parents believe in and like getting that kind of help. And mm-hmm. not everyone has like health insurance or like, you don't can afford that or the means to do it. So like, I'm really, really grateful because it did change my life. Like talk therapy was something that like, I, I really, really have leaned on in the past and I really believe in it for me, like as, as a, as a form of, of, you know, treatment. Um, that being said, like, I, like moving forward a couple of years, there was times where I lied in therapy and, and was wasting my time because I didn't really want to get to the root of it. And I was, you know, comfortable in that hole, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then there was a couple of times I really like scared myself, really, really showed myself my like morale, mortality, you know, like it, it was like really relevant, like, oh, this is life or death right now. Um, and spent some time in hospitals and things like that. I just, I just had a hard time. Oh I was, God. I was like in that hole and a lot of young people are, and it's not something to be ashamed of or angry at yourself for. Um, it's a scary place to be and it's, it's really confusing. And if you're not getting support in certain parts of your life that you really need it as a young person, like it's really easy to fall into that. Um, so it took a lot for me. I, I made a lot of efforts when I finally like scared myself enough. I was like, Oh, this is real. This is real life. I'm not just like going through the motions, you know? And I made efforts to like seek happiness and seek the things I liked. And, and I kind of like started to really have this belief in free will. And, you know, like if you really put your mind to it, it can happen. It can become reality. And, and I've taken that into and carried that through a lot of my life up until this point. Yeah. I, first off, I'm, I'm yeah. so sorry to hear about your friend. And, it's okay. And the, these things are, they, they touch everyone. I had, I had, when I first saw my first friend that passed away wasn't, was not a suicide. It was a accident on a frozen lake in Alaska where I'm from and they got hit by a truck in in the middle of the night, crossing the frozen lake to get home is a shortcut. It was on Christmas break from school. So we went to Christmas break, came back and Mm -hmm. angel's not there. Why is angel not back? Is she sick? Yep. She's dead. 
what? And yeah. sixth grade, and I was shattered. And I went mm -hmm. to the funeral, which I regret just because it was the first time I saw someone laying there gone. Yeah. gone. I threw up for six months straight every morning after that <gasps> from anxiety yeah. and dealing with my own mortality. And I had yeah. to get therapy as well. That And I had to ask my mom, like, I need to yeah. talk to somebody. And uh, I don't know how to do this. And it went through my yeah. dad's work. Like you get three free visits or whatever. It was one of those kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. But having to to ask for help is one of the hardest things you can ever do. Yeah. And that's why, you know, thank you for sharing all this because yeah, people look up to you and listening oh, to this, they will hear these yeah. things and hopefully it will help someone. Yeah. I get yeah, so many no. emails about this kind of stuff. Dude, I mean, it's, asking for help is so important and it's it, it is not um something to be ashamed of i think there was a while where like opening up and asking for help was like something i was ashamed of because mm -hmm. i was so like scared of recognizing that i i could have had a quote-unquote problem mm -hmm. and i don't view it as a problem now like i think a lot of it also is viewing it not in a negative way and recognizing that it's just part of life like mm -hmm. these are things we go through like positives are there and negatives are also inevitably go inevitably going to be there and asking for help because the negative is is a lot to carry mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're weak like it, it doesn't mean that you should you should be ashamed like you know it's just how it is and the people who love you want to be there for you till the end through that stuff you know it's it's so so daunting, but it's, it's always going to be worth it. There's always going to be a better way out. It's so true. It's so true. And I'm, I'm trying to remember who told me this, but it was, it was weird. It, it was on this show, but we were talking about, it was, um, uh, Dana Gould from like the Simpsons or whatever. He, he was, we were talking about Robin Williams. They were friends. And when Robin oh, yeah. Williams, uh, Damn. left the world, he, yeah. he said, when you're a, when you're like a sports car, when you have a sports car mm -hmm. that goes 190 miles an hour, you better believe it'll go 190 miles an hour in reverse as well. And yes. that analogy for me stuck with me to this Holy day cow. because yeah. it's true. And mm -hmm. the good and the bad, the, when you can learn to embrace the negative mm -hmm. side and both not believe it, I guess, not yeah. believing these thoughts that are, your brain will sabotage yeah. you. Your brain will, oh, yeah. your brain will take you to the end if you let it, but embracing that and validating those thoughts and then mm -hmm. turning it around that I'm not going to live like that today. Yes. Those thoughts are going to come in and they are valid. And you know, yeah. the hopelessness and the, the, the sadness are some of the most real emotions we have. And that's why heavy movies and, and, yeah. and Nick cave. Like that's why Nick cave is a genius because his music yeah. touches everyone because everyone Literally. feels that sorrow. Yes. But you turn it into something and that's what you're doing mm -hmm. too. Like with what you do, like you're, you're bringing this emotional outburst to the world yeah. every time you go on stage and you're throwing yeah. these things <laughs> at people and this energy like yeah. you feel it with me, like you feel yeah. this too. And that's why people yeah. keep showing up. Yeah. It kind of reminds me almost of like, if you ever like, this is so silly, but have you ever watched like Dragon Ball Z, you know, it's like that energy and you just like explode it out. And like, mm -hmm. 
to be honest, like getting up on stage and screaming into a microphone for 20 minutes is the most therapeutic thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. And that's why I keep coming back. And that's why I love it. It's terrifying, but it's literally the best thing I've ever done for myself. And I, I think that that energy, like that's something that attracted me to punk and hardcore in the, in the beginning was like feeling so seen and so validated from that energy and that expulsion of energy and just like wanting to be in on that, you know, wanting to be face to face with it. And, you know, when I started to remember those lyrics of whatever that band was and, and being able to see it live and just like right there, you know, grab the mic you know, mosh or whatever it is, you know, get that energy out. It was so special. Mm-hmm. So special. If you think about like the, the, uh, if you think about the, what you're doing literally, like something you never did growing from what you've told me yeah. growing up, yeah. you were, you were, you know, didn't want to be seen into you're in your own hole yeah. to then the person that's standing there or leaning in and screaming their head yeah. off in a room of people. Like, could you imagine was, walking into yeah. like a library or into a, into a train station and doing that? Mm-hmm. Just how oh my God. silly it sounds, but that's yeah. exactly what you're doing. You're, you're yeah. in a room screaming your head off and something probably you wanted to do for a very long time and would have felt yeah. great to do then is now yeah. like healing people. Like it's, yes. that's what it's doing. It's so weird, but so cool. It's at the so same special time. and so crazy. Yeah. I mean, even when I get kind of jaded sometimes, like sometimes you don't want to play the show. Sometimes on tour, you're like, damn, I'm tired. I don't want to go on stage. Like whatever it may be. Or like, sometimes I get jaded because like, maybe I'll read some YouTube comments that are kind of mean and I'll be like, why do I even do this? You know? And then I think about my 17 year old self, like being alone in my room, playing records on like a Crosley, you know, and like painting patches and putting my hair in Liberty spikes. And and then I'm like, (laughs) that's why I do it. That's who I do it for. Because that person would literally faint on the spot. Mm -hmm. If I, I saw them and I told them what I'm doing now, like they, I would have not believed that could have ever happened. Yeah. I was so afraid of attention. And now I'm like, now I like, I get, I like put myself there purposefully, which is insane. Like for me, like some people are really good at it like really natural at like, you know, mm-hmm. taking it in, but it took me some time and now I love it so much. One thing you mentioned a little while back talking about Len is resonated with me huge because I've done it. Yeah. Lying in therapy because oh, you don't yeah. want to hear the solution oh, or find yeah. the problem, which is a main reason most people go to therapy because they've been lying to their yeah. self for 20 years. Yeah. And they'll lie to the therapist and I've done it where I didn't, I felt a breakthrough coming and I was like, nope, not yet. Yeah. And I'll flat out lie. And it's so crazy to think about. But when you said that, I was just like, I've been there. I, you're speaking my language. Like it's so weird and we'll still sabotage ourselves and still withhold uh, the glory of figuring things out. Right. Like it's like this, this, uh, uh, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like this, this, uh, oh, yeah. like diminished kind of, nope, not yet. I'm not ready. I don't deserve mm-hmm. this. Yet. It's still kicking yourself while you're down. Like, yeah. I don't deserve this yet. I, there I was know. a long time where I was like so comfortable with my sadness and my like self hate 
and my, my shame that it felt scary to be happy. Mm. And so I kind of defended my, like my self-hatred and I defended myself, like my, my like sadness. And like, I really stuck by it because it was like my only friend. And there was so much stuff I learned that made me feel better. Like when I was sad and when I was felt alone that I like taught myself to do, to feel like maybe numb or whatever to like help. And I was really, really defensive of that stuff. Like even like self-harm, you know, there, there was so much forms of self-harm and self-sabotage that I would just lean into. And the, it, it took me really like living in it for so long to one day be like enough, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and again, like there's that self-sabotage in lying to your therapist because you don't want to admit that like, maybe there's a part of you that doesn't want to get better because that part of you doesn't like you and doesn't want you to succeed. And it's really, really hard to like argue with that, that thought, you know, to argue with that part of yourself. That's like, hmm, we don't like cat, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, shit, are you right? You know? And, and there's that, like that mental toil. Um, and it, it took a lot to be like, okay, I, I have to stop wasting my time. Mm-hmm. Cause if I want to, like, I could be really happy, but here I am like sitting here, like defending my sadness, you know? Yeah. It's a really, really weird, like very personal way that for me to like, uh, ex- like personal thing to explain because like I, it's, I'm so far removed from that part of my life. I still get sad. Mm-hmm. I still self-sabotage sometimes, you know, but, and and that's part of being human, but there's definitely like a part of me. That's also like, I know a better way of living. So I can't fall into those habits out of comfort. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes like, ah, it's so frustrating because it's like, damn it. I'd love to live in my hole today, you know, and get away with it, but I know better. And it's like, I got to do the work. <laughs> like, ah, uh, like got to keep going. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. W- one thing there too, like if you can accept and, and come to grips with the fact that you could go back there. Oh that, yeah. You know, where you don't, I mean, you've moved past it, but it can always happen again. And, but embracing yeah. that, embracing mm-hmm. the fact that it could absolutely happen again and embracing mm-hmm. the, and this is the fucked thing I'm working through now in therapy is <laughs> yeah, thanking, not thanking, but appreciating my demons and all the shit that I've done yeah. because it's made me who I am. Anything that people have yes. done to me or mm-hmm. anything that that's why I'm here right now is that's, that's part of the journey. Shit. It's fucked yeah. up to, to Dude. say, yeah, thank you for, you know, abusing me for fucking mm-hmm. 15 years because it made me yeah. who I am, right? It's so fucked. Yep. But you Dude, have to come to grips with yeah. that stuff. That's the healing shit. That's the that's the real grit of healing. And I have such a like, I have my qualms with it. And I'm like, all right, today we're healing. Like, yeah. let's go. You know, yeah. cracks, knuckles, like, oh, like, okay, fine. I, I don't get to be unhealthy today. Mm-hmm. I don't get to make poor choices because I know better. And it's like, damn it. Okay, fine. Like, 
sometimes I really have to go into it with like a stubborn mindset so that I don't fall into those habits. Cause like there was times in my teenage years where I even like, I leaned on like drinking, you know, I leaned on those like forms of self-harm and now it's like, I'm on tour. There's booze everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like if I really wanted to, I could go crazy with it, but I don't because I'm like, I really like what I have right now. Mm -hmm. I know how good it can be. So I'm not going to do it. And sometimes that little part of me that, that doesn't want me to succeed is like, damn it lost today, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but I, I view that part as like, that's my little, uh, like Marvin, the Martian. Yeah. Who's like trying to derail me. And I'm just like, it's okay, little buddy. I'll pat you on the head. Yep. You're not getting it today. Except that it's there and move on. Like accept that it will be, you can't just like suppress it. Just acknowledge it. Like you're saying you, you've got this, like acknowledge it and move forward. Yeah. Like, Hey, you're there. Cool. Well, not today. Instead of not ever, not today. And that's a huge part of recovery. Yeah. And same with, same with like trauma, you know, when you, when you start to, if you have like PTSD, for example, or like Mm -hmm. CPTSD, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, that really can have a grip on you and you don't make that choice. And when you heal from a lot of it, it's so scary because you're just like, wow, I can't like, isn't it messed up that you have to appreciate those things that, that sucked so bad, Mm -hmm. you know? And, And like, you didn't get to choose them and, and you didn't like, you can't like undo it, you know, it, And the part of healing that is so like, uh, like just annoying is the fact that you just have to one day be like, yeah, it's okay. I appreciate it. And be like, what is going on? You know, like that's, Mm -hmm. that's such a like crazy part of it. That's really necessary, but it is so hard to understand. And it takes so much time to like understand, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's never going away, but that's not to say in a hopeless light. You know, that's like, yeah, it's, it's part of me. Like mm-hmm. it's how it is. It that's happened. okay. It happened <laughs> and it's here to stay. Yeah. But it, it, how you deal with it. I mean, it's so, and it all comes back to control. Like yeah. control is such a huge word because it ties to so many things, but mm-hmm. you wanted to, you didn't have control of your situation when you were a teenager. So you wanted yeah. to have control over it. So you held on to the yep. darkness and held on to your hole, like just like this is mine, mm-hmm. and then learned to truly have control, which pulled you yeah. out of that. It's all control yeah. driven. Like it's it's all it's control. So crazy. <laughs> and you learn control from going yeah. through that shit. And some people yeah. never go through that. But I yeah. don't think and I'm speaking out of class here because I'm not mm-hmm. I don't know that side of things. I just know my side. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like they'll have a true understanding of who they are and have that Mm -hmm. control. Hopefully they never need it. Yeah. But that's a valuable tool that you just can't get until you're ready. You know, you control your therapist and what they tell you because you lie to them. Yeah. You control the day because I'm going to drink today. You know, like I've been sober for 15 years. Like, yeah. But you control the situation because Mm -hmm. I'm going to because I want to. And then you lose control. And you mm-hmm. do things you regret and then you move like it's all control driven. 
whether you're on then, either side of it. Yeah. And then you got Marvin the Martian, who's dri- mm-hmm. he's driving the boat all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Like he's in, in your brain pushing buttons and you're like, yep. when did I give you control? Like, you know, so that's why you have to make those decisions. You have to be like, mm-hmm. you know, if you've had, if you've like gained the tools, if you've, if you've had the help, you know, you're healing you no longer have to put yourself through that. You no longer have to feed the bear. And it it's every day. It's a choice every day. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And that's, uh, this is really refreshing to, I mean, yeah. I, I, and, and, and I, I appreciate you speaking on these things because like I said, yeah, people totally. look up to you as a figure in music and, and, just hearing people talk to me about yeah. you and what you're doing, like people look up to you in a big way. That's so crazy. Because you're speaking for them in a lot of ways, you know, that they yeah. want to come out of that shell. They want to be there in that, in that leaning on that crowd, right? They want to yeah. be, and, and it brings me to another thing to, to talk about is, mm-hmm. is when you decompress, when you are no longer Captain yeah. Scowl, how do you shut Ugh. down now in a, in a healthy way? Uh, when you decompress, like when you no longer, you're not on a podcast, you're not on stage, you're at home. Do you go back to some of those behaviors or have you moved forward to where you can decompress in a way that's, uh, I guess healthy. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good question, man. I, I'm still figuring it out. There's still days where I I don't necessarily know what I'm doing and I trip Mm -hmm. and I spend the whole day in bed. And I really hate myself for it. And I, sometimes I look at the YouTube comments because I know it makes me sad and, you know, so I, I'm still learning. I'm fairly new to being, uh, in this position of attention and obviously based on what I previously said, it's not something I'm like entirely comfortable with. I've gotten much more comfortable with it though. Uh, but sometimes I feel the pressure and I don't want to buckle and I, and I want, I want to keep this, like, I want to be this face, you know, mm-hmm. the cat Moss who steps on stage. Like I want to be as confident as her The annihilator. and, and the, and the <laughs> one who can really talk to, who can talk to new people and shake mm-hmm. hands and, you know, talk on a podcast for an hour. Like I really appreciate her because I'm like, wow, like she's so confident. Mm-hmm. And I I have to like, realize like, that is me. Like I'm doing that, but I don't have to have that level of energy at all times. And, and, and there's no way it's just not possible. I would, I would be so exhausted. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm learning to find balance and some days it's not easy. Some days are harder than others. And, you know, like if you're on, if I'm like on tour for two months straight, sometimes like, I really don't get a moment alone unless I'm you know, like in the bathroom, mm-hmm. you know, like, like that's so fucked up sometimes because it's like, wow, I'm not having a moment to just like breathe, mm-hmm. but I've learned, I, I have to vouch for myself and like set that time aside on tour. And then at home, I've learned that like, I have to find balance. I can't overexert when I'm home by like constantly making plans and staying busy because I'm going to get sick. I'm just going to get sick. You know, I'm going to be exhausted. And then I can't also fall into the hole and be in bed all day and like forget to shower for a couple of days, you know, like that, mm. it's that kind of depression, you know? Yep. So 
I've learned routine is really, really important for me. As simple and silly as that sounds, routine is so important for me. Um, and, and like part of that routine is like going to bed at a decent time, you know, limiting my social media use and, and reading a book or watching a movie, like writing in my journal, going for a walk, like making a plan with someone, you know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, keeping up on my chores. So I feel like I'm being, you know, kind of productive and, and I feel proud of myself. Like, okay, like I can do this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. cooking myself meals, like making an effort to like eat healthy when I can, because on the road, we all know, like pretty hard, mm-hmm. um, you know, like keeping up on my self-care. That's a really big one, especially like, I really enjoy that part. Cause I, I like my, like my self-care time. I love doing, you know, wearing a face mask and drinking some tea and reading a book and, mm-hmm. you know, journaling or whatever, like that's some good feeling stuff. Like I, I really like that. Um, instead of, you know, scrolling Instagram or Twitter, like <laughs> it helps a lot because sometimes now I, I don't get to scroll without seeing stuff that relates to the band. And sometimes that can feel like kind of overwhelming because I don't get to check out as much, you know, like with a job, you get to clock out. Mm-hmm. But with this lifestyle, it's kind of like, and I'm one, I'm not saying this, like, I'm so busy. It's so hard <laughs> to play in a band. Like it's more because I'm like really grateful that we are where we're at. We are at after all this hard work. Um, but it can be challenging not to get that feeling of like, I am away from this right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So setting time where I get to kind of feel like I am checked out you know, is helpful. And yeah, being as silly as it sounds, being active and eating good food, eating food that makes me feel good, like taking care of myself, like it it makes a huge difference. It mm. really does. And and a big one is like not reading comments <laughs> on YouTube. You've mentioned that a couple times. Yeah. Is there a consistent yeah. YouTube comment that you see that really gets to you? Because I never read those things. I get the email yeah. notifications and stuff, but I never, yeah. I never read them, but I know like, I yeah. can only assume what people are going to say. <laughs> well, to be honest, it's more than just YouTube, but I'm just saying YouTube comments yeah. because I really don't want to draw attention to it. Like there's a lot of different places of the internet, like dark corners of the internet where people mm-hmm. go and say like mainly negative stuff. Yeah. And I've explained this to my friends, um, where it's like, if every person in the world had a website they could go to where they could just read pages and pages of stuff that was just horrible stuff about themselves, curiosity would win a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I know, I know all my friends would be looking at that. Like, Oh my God, did you look what this person said this? Like, so there's like some places, but I don't want to draw attention. Got it. Cause, and I, and I avoid looking at it. Like I, it's one of those things I have to constantly be like, no, don't do that. Don't, mm-hmm. don't be curious. Like don't do that today, cat. Um, because it can, it can make me pretty sad. Like it, it's definitely like, it's not about me. And I, and I recognize that, you know, these people, it's, it's faceless people mm-hmm. and that's okay. 
and nobody has, not everyone has to like what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't love everything in the world and, and punk music. There's stuff I don't like, and that's okay. That's my right as a human being. So I don't expect everyone to, you know, vibe with it, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, that's fine. Yeah. People are given that right. Uh, but when people say like really mean stuff about like, and it has to do with like my identity that can be kind of crushing. So I've learned to really stay away <laughs> unless I'm in a mood to be crushed, which can happen sometimes. Oh, naturally. Yeah. yeah. It's the yin and the so, yang. Exactly. Sometimes it, sometimes that punishment is good. Sometimes it's just yeah. to, for a minute, just like, all right, let it in for a second, yeah. you know, let yeah. some water out of the bath and just, and then, uh, fill it back up again. Yeah. Like it's, it, you know, and you go out there every exactly. night and, and kill it and fuck them. Like, exactly. I wouldn't even like, fuck them. Who cares? Like, exactly. They, you don't know you're doing something right until you have the haters come on board. Yeah. Literally haters gonna hate. Like I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I never like understood that. You heard it here. <laughs> until, haters gonna hate. Like until now. And I was like, honestly, it is what it is. Like it's gonna happen inevitably. Like, mm-hmm. and if, if you're seeing this much success you're gonna see this much hate you know like mm-hmm. it's just how it is like i i it's it's part of it's part of the game yeah it really is and yeah. uh so, i yeah. try not to personalize with it too much i understand i understand uh cat this has been awesome uh yeah i'm so glad we did this and 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 thank you so much for uh of course talking about some of the real shit because yeah. You know, you can do a hundred podcasts and, and, uh, you know, that's why I don't, I mean, I, these just go where they go and that, and for some reason that a lot of times that's where it goes. And yeah. I know the listenership appreciates it, but also, I mean, a lot of people hearing you say these things, it's going to help a lot of people. I really think it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just appreciate you being really open with stuff like that, you know, cause it's not, of course, it's not something you have to share with anyone. Um, no, <laughs> yeah. but I appreciate it because it's it's real. Of course. It's the real version of you uh, that people want to see and people want to hear and and because they're seeing you do it on stage, but they want to know like, yeah. what's behind it. And and uh, yeah, I always appreciate the, totally. the candidness and and I'm really yeah. I'm really glad we did this. I've been super stoked to get this one in the, yeah. in the books. And uh, again, apologies for the studio <sighs> situation, but it's um, fine. If you can even see me in this thing, I look so blurry. Yeah, on my I, thing. Oh, I like, see you. Don't even worry. Perfect. I I totally get it. I mean, thank you for having me. I have I have such a good time doing these things, and and I have such a good time like, you know, talking about stuff. But being able to like open up is also really special to me. As someone who's still like struggling with vulnerability, sometimes it's mm-hmm. it's really special. It's a good feeling, and I really appreciate being given like the platform to do so. So I, I, it's, it's just always awesome. Thank you so much. Awesome. You're very welcome. And, uh, I'll let you get back to your, your holiday, uh, break yeah. <laughs> so you can do some self care yeah. and, uh, and, uh, be yourself and, and, uh, just thank you so much. And, and, uh, we'll be in touch soon when this is coming out Absolutely. and all that stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, let's do this again sometime. Hell yeah. Let's do it. Thank you so much. All right, cat. See you later. See ya. Bye. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Cat Moss from Scowl. Check them out if they're on tour in your town, in your country. 
uh, wherever you're at. I really, really enjoyed this chat, and Kat was amazing and uh, just so full of uh, great things to say, as well as some very deep points that she made uh, about her own life, and I'm really appreciative of that. So if you guys are struggling uh, or in a bad spot, definitely reach out. I mean, there's always someone there. Uh, you're never alone, so just reach out if you need to reach out. Um, I just really appreciate you guys so much coming back week after week. Um, this show has just become such a big part of my life and my identity, and uh, I really feel like we're getting somewhere with this thing, that it's building it naturally and, and gene uh, genetically, uh, naturally and organically into something that's really special, and I really feel uh, great about that. So thank you so much for coming back week after week. Thanks to Kat for coming on. Um, just uh, I'm just so full of gratitude, guys. I really, really am. Um, lots of stuff coming up, lots of awesome stuff. Uh, got a bunch in the can, a bunch scheduled. Uh, this thing is going full speed. So thanks for sticking with me and, and always being there for this show. Uh, if this is your first time listening, definitely go give us a, a subscribe, like, rate, and review, all that jazz. And uh, as always, guys, we'll see you on the radio. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. 
Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.